What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-V and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here with you as always. Appreciate you tuning in. Another jam-packed episode of the Man Cave Podcast. We're going to talk with Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman, owner at Cabin Coffee. Get his take and thoughts on the uh, the Badger football team. Always, always a great conversation with Joe to get his insights. Brandon Berg's uh, Brandon Berg, excuse me, is going to be joining me for another top five plus this edition. We do top five movie villains of all time. Doctor Crow from Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine for a little inside the training room to give us a little perspective on Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson. We lead things off though with this episode of the podcast previewing. Packers versus Chargers. I still want to call them those San Diego Chargers for crying out loud. So if I if I slip up and I say San Diego, I apologize. Uh, but I, I like I've caught myself already a couple times here, so it's always going to be the uh, the San Diego Chargers for for me here. So, but uh, looking at it, I you know when you when you think of the Chargers, the first thing you think about is going to be their offense. It, it's going to be their offense. Herbert at quarterback, Eckler at running back, Keenan Allen and such. And when you look at it in terms of you know points per game, they are a top ten team in, in points per game, uh, averaging twenty six point six points. Uh, passing wise, you know they're they're up there too. Uh, they are. I wish they would put uh, put the numbers uh, in here. But the Chargers top ten team in passing, averaging two hundred and forty nine yards per game. But rushing wise, they're right next to to Green Bay. They're right next to Green Bay, so Green Bay is averaging 102 yards on the ground. Right behind them is the Chargers, averaging uh, 100.8. So about a yard, about a yard, almost. Uh, yeah, because Green Bay is 102.1, and uh, Chargers are 100.8, so a little over a yard more. So pretty much the same here. So right, pretty much the same. Big differences the passing game. And I think that's where a lot of people are kind of concerned heading into this game that could get into a shootout. And does the Packers offense have enough to to get into a shootout against the Chargers? I think a lot of us would probably say, uh, no. If it got into a shootout situation, that spells trouble for Green Bay. Because you look at last week's game against the Chargers that they lost to the Lions... Uh, shoot up 41 to 38 loss 41 to 38 loss for the uh for for the chargers there so and on the flip side chargers defense not that good not that good and that still might be putting it nicely uh they have allowed the second most yards total yards in the entire nfl 393 Point two. The only team that's worse than them is a team that already beat Green Bay, Denver Broncos. Uh, the Denver Broncos defense giving up the only team in the entire league so far this season, giving up over 400 yards total on defense, 401.8 to be exact. So are the Chargers, where, where are they giving up the most yards? It's actually their passing defense. Their passing defense is what's really struggling. They are dead last. The worst in the entire league. 291 yards through the air that they're giving up. The next closest team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
266, 266.9 to, to be exact. So they are the worst pass defense in terms of giving up yards in the entire league. Chargers are actually not that bad at stopping the run defensively. They're not that bad. They are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, right outside the top 10. They're 11. They are uh, giving up 102 yards per game, which, again, that's the average that Green Bay uh, averages on the ground, 102 per game. So is that kind of a wash at that point? You know, we want Green Bay to establish a run. We want to get Aaron Jones going and, and all that stuff, right? But you look at that, and it's like, oh, okay. Points-wise per game, Chargers are bottom third. Just a scouch under 24 per game giving up. So could this be a game for Christian Watson to get back on track when you look at the numbers and you look at, like, huh, Worst pass defense in the entire league. All the chit-chat about what's going on with Christian Watson. Young receivers, inexperienced receivers, and tight ends, and and all that stuff out there. Could this be a chance for this passing offense maybe to get a little, little thing going here? Maybe to get some confidence brewing just a little bit. Possibly. Could it be? We shall see, right? But you kind of wonder. I guess that's that's like the one thing maybe I'm a little bit... I don't know if I'm worried about it or maybe something I'm going to be watching because I feel like at times earlier in the season, Green Bay schematically, when their scheme, you know, uh, their, their scripted plays, beginning games and such, they would... It really seemed like they would hyper focus on the weaknesses of that other team and try to exploit that. Which I get it; a lot of teams do that. But if if you're struggling in a lot of areas, yeah, it, it might not necessarily work if you try to get away from what you actually do best. You know what I mean? Like there was a couple games at the beginning of the year. It's like just just run the ball, just run the ball. And we know that you know you're you're trying to attack a weakness, maybe in the secondary or something like that, but. With that receiving core and and uh, with with Jordan Love at tight end, is that necessarily the best thing to do right now? And I guess that that to me is something that I'm going to watch in this thing is to see, you know, does Green Bay try to exploit the pass defense because it is a weakness for the Chargers? Do they try to get Christian Watson going here early? Do they try to get you know uh, the ball to their young, inexperienced receivers and tight ends to gain some momentum, maybe gain some confidence early on in the game? Is that something that they're going to try to do? Or do they realize, you know what, let's get our, let's try to get our running game going. Let's go after and, and give the ball to, to Aaron Jones. And A.J. Dillon has been playing a little bit better as of late. Do they try to just stick with that plan? Do they stick with their, with their kind of game plan? Let's be real. I mean, the first... You know, moving a little bit, moving the ball a little bit better in the last couple games. Do they try to build upon that? Or do they really try to attack the the weakness of the Chargers? That is this this pass defense. But I think the one thing that you got to be careful with, if you are going to go out there and try to chuck the football around and try to throw the ball up and down the field. Your offensive line better be ready. 
because maybe they don't get talked to a lot about this year, but they still have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack over there. Joey Bosa, this year, six and a half sacks. Khalil Mack, nine sacks. I know a bunch came in one game. He also has three forced fumbles. You still have to pay attention to those two. You know, I've got confidence that Zach Tom can hold his can hold his own over there on the right side. He's probably been the bright spot on the offensive side, at least on the offensive line, in his second year. I mean, that's been a good pick, and he's been pretty darn solid over there. But again, it's going to come to that left side, that blind side. Who is it? Walker? Is it going to be Yash? And whoever's lined up against him, Joey Khalil, can they slow them down? Do they put a tight end over there? And even if they put a tight end over there, can that tight end do a sufficient job at blocking? Because it's been up and down, and that that might be more down than up, I think we can all say, in terms of blocking for some of these tight ends here. I think, you know, if you're going to exploit this this pass defense and such, I'd be a little bit nervous about wanting or or planning for long developing plays with this Packers offense. I don't know if you can do that. I think once in a while it's okay. You know, maybe a couple times there just to keep everything honest, just to put something out there. But I don't think this team right now is ready for long developing plays. And you know what? If Jordan Love's got to be a little bit more mobile and utilize his feet here a little bit to avoid some of this rush, go for it, man. Go do it. I'll go back to what Dan Orlovsky said earlier in the week. Jordan Love's made some great throws, but he needs to make more good throws. And I love that quote. And I love that, that, that breakdown. I want to see Jordan Love make more of the Solid throws. Good throws. Doesn't always have to be highlight film, great corner throws to Romeo Dobbs like he did. It was a great throw. Great touch on there. But we want to see the good throws too. That's I'd rather see more of that. Continuing to push the ball down the field. Getting it into your playmaker's hands. But maybe... Maybe this is a game for, for Watson to kind of bounce back, gain some confidence in. I mean, it would almost be a year to the day, a little over a year, that uh, you know he exploded against the, the Cowboys with those three touchdowns, right? It would, it would be close to that if you're looking at certain situations like that, but... You know, Packers also, even with this pass defense, being suspects for for the Chargers, you look at it, you got Derwin James back there. I wouldn't mess around too much with Derwin James roaming around center field. Remember, he's a guy that a lot of Packers fans wanted in that draft a few years ago, the same draft that uh, the Packers went out and got Jair Alexander. So I wouldn't mess around too much with with, with Der, Derwin over there. They're very familiar with Eric Kendricks. Man over there. I think it's fair to say when you look at this defense for, for the Chargers, 
and you're like, they. I think they're similar to Green Bay in a lot of ways that underperforming with with the guys that they got, with with the players that they got. I would say they are underperforming in a lot of areas, similar to 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 Green Bay. Now they are better at stopping the run than Green Bay, but Green Bay technically numbers wise a little bit better at stopping the pass and and that and it's similar styles too. You know, Brandon Staley, where'd he come from? The Rams. Little bit different than maybe a Joe Barry esque, but very similar because Brandon Staley. You know, grew up or or learned under Vic Fangio, learned under that style, learned under that system a little bit. So I mean, there's some similarities between Joe and 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 Brandon, but there's definitely they, they they've got their differences in this thing too. But I think it's fair to say that both these defenses have underperformed, considering the the talent that they have on there. And I, you know, for all the talk this week about being more aggressive for 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 this Packers defense, which I'm one of them, I wouldn't mind it. Does it mean you're going to have to give up some big plays, or at least you're going to open up the possibility that uh, you're going to be giving up some big plays? I I, I think they got to do that, but I don't feel like this is going to be a game that they're going to do it. Because I feel like they look at this thing as like, okay, we got we got we got Justin at quarterback, Keenan Allen if he plays, which I think he's going to play. You know, I feel like they're just going to again try to keep everything in front and try to not give up big plays because they don't want to get into a shootout with this team. I I I feel like that's that's the game plan. That, that we're going to see on, on Sunday. Maybe maybe it's something completely different, but in terms of you know the passing defense, I just I feel like it's going to be a lot of the same stuff that we've seen so far this year. Everything in front, making the Chargers put together consistent 10, 11 yard or 10, 11, 12, you know play drives even a little bit longer. But they don't want to get into a shootout with them, so they're going to be that bend-don't-break style of defense, right? That phrase that we hear almost every week for almost every single year when it comes to Green Bay. I feel like we're not going to see anything different. We're not. We're probably, honestly, we're probably not going to see it for the next few weeks here when you got Detroit and Kansas City, too. It's so all the frustrations about this Packers defense maybe not being as aggressive. Buckle up, because at best, I don't think you're going to see it for, honestly, probably for the rest of the year, but especially in these last two, or for, for these next two couple games here. You're going to see them try to just drag this thing out. And that puts a whole lot more pressure on this offense, you know, it's 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 kind of a double-edged sword if you think about it here a little bit because one you're trying to force opposing offenses to consistently put together long drives and consistently you know score and and, and all that but once they you know once they go out there and they 
complete these 12, 13 play drives with a score, well, great. That puts more pressure on your offense to, one, have long, sustained drives, too, so you're not throwing your defense out there, which we've seen so many times where it's been quick three and outs for this Packers offense. But you take away all that time. We know this this Packers offense isn't a quick strike offense either. So, I mean, there's there's negatives to that philosophy. There's negatives to that mindset. So on one hand, you're trying to take away some of the pressure on the offense to not get in a shootout with the Chargers, but in the same breath, you have you allow those long drives for, from the Chargers offense. You're putting that pressure again on the Packers offense to, hey, give our defense a little bit of a breather. Pick up some third downs. Pick up or excuse me, pick up some first downs. Convert some third downs. I think when you look at some matchups and, and, and that sort of stuff, I you know, Obviously, Jair, if Jair plays at the boost, you you hope he's matched up with Keenan. We can sit there and and say the you know the Packers corners going up against Keenan, or you know I know the rookie Johnson for for the Chargers maybe not putting up a ton of yards uh, so far this year. You know you got Austin Eckler still over there rushing wise, very similar to numbers from from Green Bay so far this year. But I think he's somebody you definitely have to pay attention to. So key players, I kind of look at, okay, Quay Walker, if he's out there, I want to see him active. I think you got to collapse the pocket. you got to you know, try to put some pressure on Justin Herber. But I would, I think I think the Chargers are, are going to look at this thing and like, okay, we saw what the Steelers did in the running game last week against this Packers defense. Eckler may not be putting up great fantasy numbers. He's got 332 rushing yards this year. You know, just 3.6 average. But I think Chargers, they'd be stupid to not look at what what the Steelers did last week against Green Bay and be like, all right, we're, we're going to run the ball. We're going to really utilize Austin Eckler. If I had Austin Eckler in fantasy football right now, I'd be feeling good about playing him this weekend. I'd be. I mean, what you know, looking at what Green Bay did, I'd be good playing Austin Eckler this week. Does he get his first hundred yard? I mean, when was the last time he had a, a hundred yard game? It's it's been a little bit here. Let me uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, his last hundred yard game was the opener against the Dolphins. Hundred seventeen yards. That was his last one, and we know he's a receiving threat too. That's where I look at a guy like Quay Walker as as maybe a key player on this defense to maybe try to slow him down or limit Austin Eckler. You know, some other matchups or, or some players that I think, you know, got to step up. If this, if this, if Green Bay decides to try to exploit this pack or this Chargers pass defense, then yeah, a guy like Christian Watson's got to step up. He's got to have a game. Romeo Dobbs. Those two. Those two guys. I want to see them have some games. I know Romeo has been scoring some touchdowns and such, but I want to see him. I, maybe I just had too high expectations, but I thought this guy was going to be a dude. I thought he was going to be a go-to target for, for Jordan Love. He's got the touchdowns, but other than that, yes, he's had a couple of you know big third-down pickups, especially in that game uh, against the Rams. I want to see him a little bit more involved. I want to see these two guys 
go out there and exploit this pass defense. I want them to go out there and have themselves a game and exploit that. Musgrave. I think there's some, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Der, how they utilize Derwin James, considering how Green Bay has kind of targeted Luke Musgrave in these last couple weeks, these last few weeks. Do they really focus Derwin James on the rookie tight end, or do they try to move Derwin around a little bit? I would imagine, why wouldn't you try to confuse Jordan Love in this offense? Why wouldn't you? Maybe he's that, that player over there, too. But I look at Watson and Dobbs as dudes that got to go out there and have a game. And I still say, I don't care if the Chargers are a little bit better at stopping the run. Just find ways to get 33. Feed him. Passing game, running game. Let's go now. Come on. And not necessarily all these out, you know, flat throws to to the bounce. Get Aaron Jones across the middle. Try to get him lined up and, you know, where he's got some room to roam. Across the middle of the field where he can utilize his speed and his twitchiness to get by some linebackers and that. I think they could utilize him a little bit better in the passing game than what they have been. Instead of these throwing it out to the flats. And then he's got, you know, the sideline, and that's defenders are just going to use that. I'd like to see, you know, like that Bears game where they, you know, slant across the middle and such. Let them get in some space. More room to roam. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we're going to talk with Dr. Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, for a little inside the training room. We've got to talk to Sean Watson, Joe Burrow, Jay Crowder, and more after these quick words. Are you ready to make your shopping experience truly exceptional? At Hy-Vee, they're more than just a grocery store. They're your one-stop shop for quality, variety, and incredible savings. Explore their fresh produce, premium meats, and a wide range of delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Plus, don't miss their bakery where sweet treats and fresh bread are baked daily. That's not all. Hy-Vee offers convenient online shopping and curbside pickup to make your life easier. Come see why their local customers love Hy-Vee. Visit them today at 2424 East Claremont Avenue in Claire. Uh, I want to lead things off. Well, we got a couple quarterbacks to talk about uh, here. A uh, couple of days ago, the news of Deshaun Watson, his season being over with, uh, they're calling they're calling it a broken shoulder. Uh, the thing I wanted to ask you about, I saw Tom Pelissero, uh tweet this out uh, when it was first broke that uh, Deshaun was looking at you know multiple opinions, wanted to quote shoot it up and and still you know play, but he was told if he took another hit on that thing, the shoulder could fall apart. Like so, I just had this vision of like his shoulder like falling apart. Um, what? Where exactly would he have broken? You know, do you think, or kind of give us a little bit of a background, maybe on a broken shoulder? And is that true that it could have quote fallen apart essentially? <laughs> uh, a bit of hyperbole, perhaps, but no. I mean, there's probably some truth to it. So the 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 kind of this discussion around his shoulder has has kind of pointed to the fact that it's likely what's called a glenoid fracture. Um, so when, when we talk about the shoulder, we, we call it a ball and socket. So the shoulder, even though it's a ball and socket, if you actually look at the x-rays or the anatomy of a shoulder, the socket, which is AKA the glenoid is really not that much of a deep socket. It's more of like a golf ball and a golf tee. So the integrity of the socket is very important. So just like those of us who golf, when you break a tee and even just a little lip is broken off, it's pretty easy for that ball to fall off that tee. In the same sense, if you break the glenoid, it's your shoulder's very unstable. So we use the term bony bank art or glenoid fracture. 
And those can be big injuries. Now, sometimes it's a little sliver. Sometimes it's like a third of the joint. And those are very different injuries. But the, the rumor is that his is a fairly large one. Mm, so the concern is the quote-unquote foul part is that his shoulder dislocates. And, and you can imagine when you're dislocating, number one, it's painful. Number two, there's a lot of shear forces that occur, and you can sustain additional damage. So you can certainly have, you know, for, and again, with a sizable bony bank heart trying to play football, the odds of him dislocating, it's not so much, you know, if, it's really when. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. So I think at this point, you know, it sounds like that they're, they're going to go ahead and try to fix it. And that's a, it's a hard surgery to do. I mean, it's technically, um, I actually just happened to fix one of these last week in a patient, and it's a very challenging surgery. Um, because it's a small piece of bone it's deep inside the shoulder and it's so important to restore because you're not just trying to stabilize the joint you're also trying to restore the joint surface and so it's going to be a critical surgery I, i'm not going to sit here and claim it's going to be career-ending because it, it may not be but it's definitely one that has to be uh you know taken care of appropriately and heal appropriately in order for him to get back so we wish him the best of luck but it's a big injury no doubt about it Interesting. So uh, then last night, uh, Joe Burrow, there's like a uh, wrist gate almost a little bit uh, with this thing because uh, cameras apparently caught him walking in the stadium with a, with a wrist brace on. He wasn't on the injury report. And then right before halftime, he ends up leaving the game. There was a clip of him trying to throw the football on the sideline and he couldn't even grip it. And he's just shaking his head like he, he can't do anything. And the team's calling it a wrist sprain, though. I feel like it's a little bit more than, than probably a wrist wrist sprain at this point yeah it's it's it certainly was a little nebulous um and you know the the other day people were talking about it coming up into this and seeing him leave it really does make you scratch your head i mean wrist sprains are when we use the term sprain what we're talking about and we've discussed many sprains through through the course of our uh, discussions but it's anytime there's a strain to a capsular ligament that basically pulls and causes at least some tearing so i mean a sprained ankle a sprained acl i mean those are both sprains a grade three sprain of the ACL is a.k.a. complete tear, right? So sprains can be very, very severe. Um, and when you talk about the wrist, I mean, the wrist seems like a pretty straightforward joint. It just kind of, you know, you dorsiflex, plantar flexor, uh, just move your wrist back and forth. It's it's pretty straightforward, but it's not. I mean, it's a very complex. There's eight carpal bones that all link together that join the, the forearm with the metacarpals. And so it's a complex joint, and any of those ligaments can be injured. Some of them are very serious. So you can have scapholunate injuries. There's a number of ligaments I could name, but they can be very, very serious. And, I mean, those are also potentially very devastating injuries. I am sure that he had an MRI immediately after his injury, and he probably has already had one either last night or have one this morning, and they're going to detail the extent of it. But as long as it's not a complete rupture, most of those will heal. Um, but it really is going to affect the ability to do almost anything with that hand. So yeah. throwing, gripping, all those kind of things that are going to be very important for him. Because I believe it's a throwing hand, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for him, the ability to grab a football and throw it, I mean, that obviously relies on the wrist very heavily. So um, if it's a significant sprain, I mean, it could be it could be time away. And, and, in fact, if it's a bad enough injury, sometimes they do have to do repairs or reconstructions on those, which we certainly mm-hmm. hope not because those are, are a bit of a crapshoot, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, also last night, too, Mark Andrews, the, the tight end for the Ravens, uh, left the game 
uh, as they were calling it an ankle injury. Then uh, Coach Harbaugh, after the game, said he suffered a a significant ankle injury in his his season is done at this point. I don't know. I feel like uh, this year now, every time we talk about ankle injuries, everybody thinks Achilles at, at this point. It seems like Achilles injuries <laughs> are the uh, the injuries of the year, if you will. But could it be anything else uh, uh, concerning the ankle? If they're already saying that he's done for the year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. It's going to be. I saw the hit. I mean, it's it's you know, it's kind of a topic in and of itself. The quote unquote hip drop tackle, yeah. but. Um, he got he got rolled upon. That, that's going to be an ankle fracture or potentially a mason oob, which a mason oob is a high ankle sprain, but like a grade three. So that's where the ankle gets actually rotated when it's fixed. So he either broke his ankle or he he sustained a mason oob injury. Either way, almost certainly going to require surgery. I mean, you could see the ankle actually pop and shift. So mm-hmm. that was either one of the bones breaking or the two bones coming apart. So, yeah, that's going to be a season over, fix it up. But the good news is most of the time they'll do well. So he should be back, but um, obviously you hate to see it when a guy goes down like that. Yeah. Uh, switching over to, to basketball here quick, uh, Jay Crowder of the Milwaukee Bucks, he's going to be missing two months of action. They're calling it with uh, tears in his left adductor and abdominal region. Is that a sports hernia, essentially? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. that is that is the area. and I mean, that's a topic we've t- touched on. It's a, it's a bit of a complex um, constellation of injuries that we kind of lump together. But that is, that is yes, that is, falls into the category of sports turning us. So um, those can be nagging. And so, I mean, hopefully he's able to kind of get it behind him. But those are ones that, that can linger um, and just kind of have that intermittent symptoms. But hopefully he's able to kind of get under control and put it behind him and just get on with the season. Is that, you know, what's, what's the time frame on that? Because I feel like in football we've seen guys come back maybe like four, five, six weeks or something like that, and they're saying uh, two months for, for Jay Crowder. Is there a varying recovery time depending on, on that type of injury? Because it's kind of uh, maybe kind of all over the place a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like all things, there's a, there's different range of severities, and so again, I'm sure he's had an MRI on this, and it shows inflammation or potentially even some low grade tearing. So that's something that you know they may kind of cook into the the timeline that they're throwing out there. But I mean, four to six, six to eight, those are both reasonable timelines that we see with significant injuries like this. So um, it is possible that they just feel he's going to need a little bit of additional time. And the NBA is certainly compared to other sports, seems to be a little more protective of their athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know how the NBA regular season versus postseason, it's like two different sports darn near. So a lot of times the NBA is really gearing up towards those postseason runs, and the, the, the regular season seems kind of like a, I don't want to say a joke, but it almost feels like it sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know we've talked about him before, Lonzo Ball, but uh, he uh, talked a little bit on Monday and, and gave an update on, on his situation. He said Monday that he's about halfway through uh, the rehab process for the cartilage transplant surgery that he underwent in March, and he's optimistic that he will be able to continue his career. Now, I saw that word transplant surgery, and, and I don't know if the, if this is a dumb question. I apologize. Is it literally a, a cartilage from like a cadaver that that they put in his knee, uh, or or what, what do you think is 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 going on with that type of surgery? Yeah, so he had, and this this will dovetail back to uh, all you Packer fans. So <laughs> he had a Macy procedure. So that's what Bakhtiari had as well. Um, so he, he had basically what we do with those is you harvest a little bit of cartilage, they take it back and they actually grow more and they send it back to you and then you implant it back in. So it's a two stage surgery. Um, now there is a technique that we use cadaver bone and cartilage as well. That's called an osteochondral allograft. Um, and those are surgeries we do depending on the defect. So 
Um, in, in really both those can be, it, it depends on the size, if it involves the bone, but in, in his case, it was a Macy procedure, M-A-C-I, Macy. Um, and so he had that, and then again, that's what uh, Bakhtiari had. So I'm sure Packers fans will be watching to see if, if Lonzo comes back and maybe hold, hold out hope that Bakhtiari will, if he's still a Packer next year, I guess that'll be determined as well. Yeah, I don't know about that price tag, though, if if he's going to be back there for, for next year or so. Hey, maybe he can go to Minnesota yeah. and play on turf. There you go. So, <laughs> uh, to to wrap it up here, Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, still you know practicing, but it seems like you know he, he. I know he said last week he doesn't want to go out there until he's uh, he's a hundred percent and such. I mean, with the way Minnesota's playing, no, you're, you're Vikings. There's no need to rush him back at this point with that because hamstrings can be pretty nagging. Yeah, we got the pastronaut, so yeah, we're, we're good to go. Uh, <laughs> Is he your future starting um, quarterback? Do you want him? Yeah, I mean that's oh, going to be the talk man. now, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, th- I mean, luckily we have a good a good run out. I mean, it's always more challenging when it's like the last game of the year and someone comes in. People are like, maybe this is going to be him. It's like we have enough sample size. I mean, he's going to play. I mean, a, a good chunk of the season, and I think we'll get a good test. I, you know, you certainly hope for a redemption story like kind of Geno Smith has done out in yes. Seattle yep. where where people said, hey, this guy is never going to be a starting quarterback and he comes up and plays big. He struggled a little bit more this year than he did last year. But, I mean, obviously, as a fan, I'm pulling for him. But also just as a, a fan of the sport, you just love to see stories where people are able to overcome stuff. Um, but, I, I mean, obviously, you've been impressed. I mean, my concern is, truthfully, maybe this is a glasses half empty kind of take, but that teams haven't had enough film on him to see how he runs our offense and what he's done and, once people are able to kind of get that and scheme against him, maybe he won't be quite as successful, but uh, I certainly hope not. But, um, yeah, I mean, back to your original question with J.J., I think that, you know, when it comes to all these, I mean, these soft tissue injuries, they, you know, they seem in some ways benign. It's like, oh, it's just a pulled hammy. But the problem is if you get back too soon, then they become this recurrent problem, and you can just never get over the hump until you're to the offseason. So, I mean, if if we're able to make a run, make get to the postseason, we need JJ, and so it'd be better for him to miss a game or two now and get to that spot where he's like, I truly feel 100. percent And so, there, I sh- I'm, sh- you know, promise you, he's getting all the treatments. Probably continues advanced imaging to assess where it's at healing wise. So, um, we certainly think that it, it'll be back hopefully soon. But you know, it's it's unclear as if it's going to be be a week or two or where we're at exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Dr. Crow, appreciate it as always, buddy. Uh, best of luck to this this weekend out in the woods. Be safe and uh, keep me posted if you get another nice one out there too, so I can get upset with you. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely will do. And yeah, everyone stay safe out there. You don't want to be in the, in the uh, hospital seeing us or big surgeons after falling out of your stand. That uh, good point there too. Good point. All right, Austin, appreciate it, buddy. Have a good weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Okay. Yep, yep, take care, Dan. You, you got it. There you go. Dr. Crow inside the training room, Triple Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Let's take a quick break, and we'll have Brandon Berg on for another edition of Top 5 Plus after these quick words. Toys and Ford is your go-to destination for quality vehicles and exceptional service. At Toys and Ford, they have a vast selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs to fit your lifestyle and budget. Their dedicated team is there to make your car buying experience a breeze. They offer financing options that suit your needs and a service center that keeps your vehicle running smoothly. Come on down to Toys and Ford and test drive your dream car today. They're located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. Toys and Ford, where your road to excellence begins it is time for another edition of the top five plus with brandon berg 
Joining us as always, Top 5 Plus, where we come up with our top fives, but the plus is because usually we always have some uh, honorable mentions for our list. It's tough for me to hold to just five. Yes. And in this particular case, you've got a few. I've got a bunch of, this is the most honorable mentions I've had for a topic we've done so far. All right. So I will lead off with my honorable mention, and then we'll go into yours since you've got uh, you've got a few of them on here. Um, so I am actually going, since we're getting close to Christmas here, I've got an honorable mention. It's actually kind of two of them, two honorable mentions. Marv and Harry from Home Alone. That's good. That's good. You like that one? I do. I do. And for so I should have prefaced this, Brandon, because we're doing top five movie villains, mm-hmm. but villains who are not based Fictional. off of real people. Fictional. Uh, so yeah, it's it you know, not based off of real people in history or something. Completely fictional. So Marvin Harry from Home Alone are my honorable mentions. But Joe Pesci's a real person. She is a real person. So the Wet Bandits are the they wet, a real game or the Sticky Bandits? Sticky Bandits now too. One. Yep, yeah. yep. So that's my honorable mention. I know you've got a few to I go. I do. So I'll rope through mine pretty quick here. Now remember, these are our own personal lists. So there's probably going to be some we have some difference on. Honestly, that probably is going to come down to what you know our connection to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like my first honorable mention is Heath Ledger and the Joe and you know as Joker yeah. and. Obviously, it's an amazing portrayal. I'm, you know, it's just I'm not the biggest Batman guy, so mm-hmm. that's why. Right. Otherwise, I got Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, got to classic. Yep. Michael Myers, Halloween, yep. got to classic. But of course, this is my list. So there's going to be some some randos thrown in there. Jack Parkman for Major League Two. Let's do it. Absolutely love the portrayal in that one. Yep. Definitely. Makes, his uh, shimmy makes everybody in a seat. Or all the women in Cleveland puke. <laughs> Shout out, Bob. You, yeah, you could add some other comments too. I'm not sure if I can say on the, on the podcast. So yeah, you can. Oh, Bob once said, you know, covered the mic and said he's still a dick. Yeah. Oh, you can't say that on a podcast, but you could say that on a radio. Last week. Oh, I did. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I literally said that last week. Okay. All right. Uh, I went with Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood, Daniel Day Lewis's character. Yeah. Yep. Was outstanding. Shooter McGavin, Happy Gilmore. Yep. And Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters 2. That is a my, solid choice. My favorite Ghostbusters villain. Even more so than the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, who I don't consider to be a villain. But what about uh, the, uh, uh, what were the two dogs? Oh, uh, Dan- well. And then the, uh, Zool. the other. Zool. Yeah. Zool. I, was, I always the prefer. The Key Master. I, the Gatekeeper and the Key <laughs> Master. I always prefer the second movie to the first one. I don't really? know why. Yeah. With the slime and the painting? Yeah. And all? Okay. I always like the second one a little more. So I'm, yeah, Vigo the Carpathian's my final honorable mention. I like the, well, Slime. Slimer's in the first one. Is he in the second one? Yeah. But then he kind of becomes their mascot. So, yeah. like. It's the rise of Ghostbusters yes. in the first one. I'm excited to see the new one come out. Did you see the trailer for it? I have not. You should see it. I will. Uh, okay. So I will start. I'll start with my list. Number five, White Goodman, Dodgeball. Uh, you could probably have Ben Stiller for a couple of these, um, but uh, I'm going to go. I used to watch that movie religiously. I mean, it's a good it's a good one for some liners. It's And it's a good yeah. one when you see it on TV. Right. Because you see it on TV often. You can just yeah. sit down and like watch it. I quote him every time I have to go to the doctor and get some blood taken. Every time. I don't know why. Every time nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> Every single time I have to get some blood drawn, I that's running through my head. So, White Gunman, Dodgeball, Ben Stiller. All right. Number five. Number five for me, the Trunchbull from Matilda. Yeah, that was a solid pull for like, you. I mean, come on. Like, 
She is not a nice person. She threw a kid. She made the kid eat the entire cake. Yep. Like she's just a generally unnice person. Remember what she did to the teacher? You know, mm-hmm. just being very mean. Like that's a good that's a good heel right there. It and is. She gets her comeuppance in the end. So that's that that's is what a very outside the box thinking one over there too, man. So kudos to you for that. That's a solid pull. Uh, my number four, then, we are going to go with, because as you mentioned a little bit earlier, these are our lists. It's kind of a personal feel. I'm a big Turtles guy. I went Shredder. Shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. First of all, if we go with the original movie, he cut Splinter's ear off when, when Splinter was just a rat. You know, killed Splinter's master to begin with, then tried to kill some teenage turtles, and then turned in a, a fox or a coyote into... You know, Togar and Razar and Secret of the Ooze. I mean, not a cool cap. Not a cool cap. No, just just seems like a generally uh, not nice person. I do. I I should be a better Turtles fan than this. But, like, how does Shredder and Crane, an alien space guy, and a Japanese mixed martial artist villain team up? How do they become friends? We might have to do a podcast deep dive into that. (laughs) The different... different, Teenage Mutant Turtle villain. Yeah, because I, I, it, I'm, it probably isn't a comics. Why don't we get more Baxter Stockman? Right. Yeah, it's probably in the comics, but I'm not a comic uh, yeah, book exactly. reader. Yeah, exactly. Same. So, same. Yeah. Your number four. My number four, kind of playing off something you said a little earlier. I'm going with Ben Stiller's portrayal of Tony Perkis and heavyweights. Because so they're you very, said, inter- they're very interchangeable. Yes. Like to me, I view White Goodman as basically a later later version, version of Tony Perkis from Heavyweights. You know, fitness guru. You know, for those who don't know, it's a 90s Disney movie, one of my all-time favorite movies. Tony Perkis buys a weight loss camp mm-hmm. and basically, and just you know, turns 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 it into hell for these kids, and they fight through it. And White, you know, he, I think I feel like Tony Perkis went away, and then he reemerged as White Goodman. You know, would you, would it be fair to say that maybe White Goodman is a more well, one factual older? More, I would say more, more mature. Yes, yes. More mature. Yes, because again, this is a Disney movie in the '90s, so there's. I was t- I was having a little fun with it. More mature villain. Oh, okay. You know, not. Yeah, over that. A little bit. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, we're at three. We are. We're at three now. Um, I got to bring up my list because it just closed on me. Number three, ye was your honorable mention, mention, but I thought it was a fantastic performance. Uh, the Joker. Uh, Heath Ledger, because we're doing this specific one, because you could go Jack Nicholson, okay. you know, Joker, but Heath Ledger, Joker, to me, is one of the best, if not the best villain portrayal of all time. When Ooh. you win an Academy Award for playing kind of a villain, I think that's a big thumbs up. Um, so that, I still remember, I think like a lot of people remembering like Heath Ledger's playing the Joker, what the hell's going on here? And then turning that thing on is like, holy shit, that was... That was amazing. So, right. Joker. And it also three. gave birth to seeing uh, Creed and Kevin on The Office dress up as the Joker for Halloween one year. Mm-hmm. And so did Dwight. Remember he was in Every, the... Uh, how many people that Halloween were the Joker? Like, I'd be at least 10%. Yeah. Oh, I would say, yeah. If we do the entire world population, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big number. Damn it, Creed. I've been up since four. four in the morning. <laughs> and Kevin, no offense, but Kevin did not look good. No, he did. His the make Creed Creed could pull it off. Absolutely, yep, absolutely. All right, my number three: Hans Gruber and Die Hard. Love that movie. Love that movie. Carl Winslow, the 
nine degrees of Carl Winslow yeah. being a cop in every movie Va- and what, show. Va- was it Vaughn Ray John? What's his name? Vaughn. Jo- I know it's like Vaughn Johnson. Ron Bay, Ron, Vaughn. Yeah. But uh, I was gonna say Carl Weathers, but that's Rocky. <laughs> Carl Winslow, Carl Weathers. That's that's uh, right. Yeah. Um, um, are you looking it up? I am. Okay. Because I can have it up. It's uh. Reginald Vell Johnson. Uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. Reginald Vell Johnson. He, I feel like he's getting typecast as a cop. Yeah. Well, he's diehard. He was also in Ghostbusters as a cop. Family Matters yeah. as a cop. I've got his. Uh, let me see. He was also. Well, there's one other one, right? Well, that's he was in Turner and Hooch. That's a cop. I don't know if he was a cop in there, yeah. but that's a that's a cop movie or show. Uh, I'm looking at his. At his, uh, Later on, he moved up the ranks and became a judge in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Did he really? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to go way back because this is like more modern stuff here. I'm sure, yeah, Die Hard, The Equalizer, I don't know what he was in there. Um, just going through. But what was this? What was the prequel to Family Matters? Uh, per- Perfect Strangers. Was was he in that? Or was uh, that? His wife was. His Harry wife was. was. Harry yeah. was. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of then. I mean, he was in Die Hard 2, so. Yeah, but like police officer and several of them mm-hmm. but yeah getting back to Hans Gruber I mean come on that's a solid pull there too that's that's a good one him and the you know the him and his evil band of misfits picked the wrong night to try to get up Nakatomi Plaza well and you know the uh, you know he was also Snape and Harry Potter he was and the sheriff in Robin Hood yeah so yep. I mean he's he's always kind of been I feel like the he was also in uh, what was that uh, Tim Allen movie? Was it Space Odyssey, or where they made fun of like the, all the space movies? Yeah. And uh, what you know that's okay. I, I looked up uh, Carl Winslow's thing to see how many uh, times he portrayed a cop, but it's going to take me a little bit too much. Um, yeah, that's not. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So he's known for playing police officers in films and television. His early career included a brief appearance in Ghostbusters. Uh, an appearance in Crocodile Dundee as a limo driver. I forgot about that. Mm. Uh, he also played alongside Tom Hanks as Detective David Sutton in Turner and Hooch. Uh, he played an ambulance driver in Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. All right. All right. So, trying to see if there's any more. Yep, Carl Winslow. He, uh, yeah, it was, okay, it does mention Perfect Strangers under too. Anyways, we got enough with the Carl Winslow podcast. Right, so, um, where are we at now? That was your three. That was okay. So I'm at my number two. You mentioned him as an honorable mention, uh, Shooter McGavin, but I will say this: I think Shooter McGavin is high because he also with the Twitter account. Yeah, he's yeah, and the actor that's they play that up, uh, or he plays it up. So I, you, know, I think that's part of the reason why he's so high. McDonald, top, yeah, the actor. Uh, I think that's why he's so high on my list, too, because he still kind of technically plays that role. Any of those 90s movies are right up our wheelhouse, and just such a good foil for Happy Gilmore. Yep, yep. So, hey, Carl Winslow, (laughs) I'm just going to call him. He uh, he was in Family Guy as Sergeant Al Powell. Yeah! (laughs) We're keeping this going. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that was my number two. Yeah. Yes. So your number two. My number two. Um, and this actually made a decent run at number one. Pennywise the Clown from It. Yeah. Um, movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not that I was necessarily scared of clowns. I was just scared of that clown. Like, you know, and 
remember when, you know, in like the earlier 90s, like movies being on TV was a big thing. Mm-hmm. When you would be like, oh, this is, you know, and every year, I, I forget what network it was, but some, you know, basic you know, yeah. network would show it yep. and it would be very scary. And the, the shower scene scared me as a kid. Right. And you the got time. the red balloons and yep. a balloon. I want to float. <laughs> Tim Curry. Yeah. The, uh, the guy who portrayed it. Yeah. Also in Home Alone 2. Yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. the he works at the uh, the hotel. Yep, the Plaza. The Plaza. The Plaza well, Hotel. So. But uh, yeah, no, that's like that made a run at number one for me because Pennywise, scurry. Well, I know your number one. You do. And your number one is the same as my number one, which surprised me. It did. It did. So before we get to the number one, I will say that I am surprised at a couple you left out. Yes. From Mighty Ducks. Either coach in first one or D two. Well, the, either Stanson or uh, Jack Riley from the first one. Yeah, those. They, I did think of those, but mm-hmm. eh. the one, the other one you're going to bring up, I had, I didn't even think of. Uh, the owner from Major League, Rachel Phelps. Rachel Phelps, yeah. Because Major League is my favorite movie of all time. Right. So, and I like that was a good one. It is funny though because now if they if they made the movie Major League, they might try to cast her as the hero because she's the one that's trying to move the team. She is the uh, she's the Oakland A's owner. Yeah. Right. So um, I was a little surprised you didn't have I, one no, of those on like, there. No, that's like, yeah. So, which surprised me you had this at number one, but my number one. And, well, yeah, we might as well just, we can talk about yep. this together. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Drago. Yvonne Drago. Yvonne Drago, Rocky IV. Yep. Uh, I must break you. If he dies, he dies. Um, I mean, not a lot of liners in there, but there's Doesn't need to. two very big just, ones. Just, I mean, you, yep. you look at Dolph Lundgren in there, it's just like, mm-hmm. I mean, if if it's a video game, he's the final boss. Yeah, like he's the guy you have to beat at the Very end. Very good analogy. I like that. I like how you put he, that yeah, one like, in there. Very. If well you're playing done. Punch Out, he's Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, the uh, old uh, Old Spice. Or I should say old because they're a little bit newer. But the Old Spice commercials where he's on there, and it's not him, but it's like almost a generated one. Yeah. Ah, oh, spraying his armpit. <laughs> Uh, but and he was great in Creed too. Uh, I have not doing his it. picture. Yeah, he was yeah. great over there too. So, but uh, yeah, Drago to me is the he number one. He killed Creed. He killed Creed. Uh, then Rocky comes in and he freaking ends the Soviet Union, ends the Cold War. Uh, I if mean, I just, can change, you can change. If, exactly, an inspirational quote that lasts lifetimes. I still regret never ever getting the question on all the history tests I've gotten. What ended the Soviet Union? Because I had it planned. I was always going to put Rocky Balboa. <laughs> just, just Rocky Balboa. <laughs> and I, part of me wanted it to be an essay form too. So why? Why? My because you know I have a history minor. Maybe I should go back to school and write my thesis on why Rocky Balboa ended the Cold War. I did War. not know your minor was history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. I'm my always interested in, to knowing what people's minors are if they go if they go to school. Yep. Because I would love to go back and get my degree in history like i would one of my goals it will never happen i would love to teach a history class i would just i think that would the be the history so of fun. rocky yeah i'm i'm reading like right now a jfk book and all that so mm-hmm. yeah i would love that would love that so but uh, i could do a thesis on it absolutely because there is historical significance. Ronald Reagan talked about it in there too so i'm yeah. just saying there, yeah. there's there's significance to it if i could change you can change we can all change. Simple, effective. Yep. That's all you need. So, 
All right, so that's the top five plus. We got to think of another one coming up. I like your one. Soups. I had I had a suggestion off air when we were talking during the the radio program. I suggested the top your top five favorite soups because so, we're getting the prime into soup season. Soup and stew because I know some people are going to be very like well, well would, stew isn't a soup well, and all that. I we have some leeway there because I'm including, including chili too. Okay, because it's all essentially like a a. Basically, are you, are you drinking out of a bowl with a, mm-hmm. with a spoon? Gumbo would be included. Gumbo, yeah. Yep, all that stuff. So, okay. I can get on that. I can get on that. We got a couple weeks for that one. We so do, we do. We got some time to think yep. about that. So, all right, B, appreciate it, man. Talk to you again soon. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman and owner of Cabin Coffee. Catching up with our good buddy, Mr. Joe Grabowski, Cabin Coffee, former Badger offensive lineman, and uh, I can't imagine right now the uh, texts or <laughs> or messages you're getting from people who want to know the answer because you know what exactly is going on, and you know you can fix it too, man. <laughs> you can fix it. So um, yeah. end this nightmare. <laughs> Get a lot of these uh, uh, just from people and friends and. Uh, I don't have the solution, folks. I, I don't play there anymore, and nor do I coach. Um, again, I, I keep on preaching this. It's his first year. He came in and he inherited a team. He inherited the talent. you got to have certain uh, people in places in order for him to be able to do what he wants to. And I don't believe in a rebuilding year, but this is definitely a learning year and a learning curve year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no other option. There's no secret pill. It's just get back to work, figure it out, push the guys, push your coaching staff, and, you know, no matter what happens, you're still learning, and let's make sure that we're better prepared next time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's I mean, nobody's happy about 5-5. Five and five. Players aren't happy. Coaches aren't happy. Fans aren't happy. Fans aren't happy. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it looks bad. You lose back-to-back Northwestern and Indiana teams right. that you – you know, should have beaten, or I, I don't like to say should have because right. it's. I mean, you, I know it's an old cliche any given Sunday, Saturday, mm-hmm. whatever they play at right. that point. But it, I think it's it's surprising in in that a- aspect. I think our expectation is for us to be competing every year, and we have for a long time. Um, and you know, I don't think we should lower our standards as fans, mm-hmm. um, or you know, for people who are cheering the Badgers we shouldn't have to I don't want to go back to the 70s and 80s when we were a joke Mm -hmm. Um, I have body parts brain cells and some sweat and blood uh, donated to the foundation of that program so I I want to see them succeed I think I mean it's yeah it's close to my heart Um, I need my daughter after the school I I mean like Mm -hmm. so I I do have um, you know I, I have a heavy investment in the program and obviously want to see them do well. However, comma, um, sometimes when there's a changing of the guard, you have a little bit of a a couple of steps back, and then I'm sure he's going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, you got uh, Nebraska coming up here, which you never played Nebraska back in in, in your playing days, but uh, obviously Barry was familiar with with Nebraska uh, a little bit there too. So did he ever talk about his time at Nebraska? No, No, not really at all. Um, I was heavily recruited by ne- by Nebraska. Were you? Oh. Yeah, by Osborne. But uh, I think I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but no, he never really mentioned it. I mean, I think everyone knew his uh, pedigree and where he came from, and he would uh, tell little stories here and there about his time in college, but never anything that was like, you know, that made us think that he was anything but our coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's great that he, well, it's easy to follow somebody who's played the game and was really good at it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to follow somebody who hasn't played the game, hasn't been in the pressure position, you know, hasn't been under the just the constant strain of a season. Um, you know, he's just an old warrior, and we followed him, and it was, like I said, very easy to follow someone like that who's yeah. been, who's who's done it, talked it. He's all American in Nebraska as a linebacker, mm-hmm. tough. So easy to follow somebody with who, who has the credentials, right? What was that? I know you've talked about your uh, your your recruiting story about Barry. Hmm. What was it like with the, I mean, with with Nebraska? Now, was there anything that kind of stood out to you, or you were so focused on Wisconsin at no, that point? No, I was... mean, so with Nebraska, I mean, they had, they had the pedigree also of offensive line, um, but I just when a huge decision for me was there was like six guys from my high school conference going to play at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and I knew them all, and we they were very good so I kind of knew the class that was coming up from just my circle Mm -hmm. um, from our conference and uh, you know it looked really promising and uh, they are riding a high they won Wisconsin won the Rose Bowl in 94 Mm -hmm. you know and I came in in 96 so you still have that that momentum that feeling and uh, right I said I I I committed early to Wisconsin and uh, verbally committed and I never looked anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know how the portal would. have. I don't think I would. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of more. I'm, I'm loyal to a fault at times, and I think that if if there was the the portal that I could go into, I probably wouldn't. I don't, I don't know. I, it'd be interesting to see. Right now, if I was a senior and I was third string, well, maybe I have a shot somewhere else. But right for the most part, I I would have stayed the course. Yeah, and that kind of uh, maybe kind of relates to a question we we uh, did have from from a listener. And I know you and I have touched on it, I think, in the past, too. But, you know, because Nebraska still kind of fairly new to, to the conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when they – it wasn't that long ago, 10, right. 15 years, whatever it was. But, you know, we know the Big Ten in every conference is expanding right now. Uh, but we had a, a listener ask what your thoughts were about potentially, you know, your th- if you were playing – what would you, your thought have been going up against USC and, and mm-hmm. Oregon and and all that? Would you have ever could you have ever imagined those teams joining the Big Ten? I never would have imagined um, them, but again, and I, I say this often, it is a huge business. College football, it is a multi million dollar business, and um, they're doing what's best for them and for their universities. And I honestly think I think think the overall picture is to come get all teams under probably four conferences, you know, instead of these smaller ones, et cetera. And I don't know, like I said, I don't have any insight to that. It's just my philosophy or my theory. Um, but, again, it doesn't matter who you play. It, it becomes such a – it doesn't matter. Your preparation is the same. Everything is the same. It's somebody else wearing a different color jersey or different location. You know, it becomes like that. So um, I think it's great, actually. I think it's a great exposure. Um it's uh, and besides, wouldn't it be nice to go to California and play football in the in in the fall? Right, yeah, I'd want to. Yeah, 
Does it make things more interesting? Yeah, but I still think you uh, have the ability to really prove yourself and see where you are mm-hmm. amongst other teams in the in the in the nation. So mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So now we got uh, you know a couple weeks left here too, and I know next week is Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before the Axe game, too. So yeah. it's like Ooh. you got holiday and then, you know, Axe game here. And I know because, yeah. well, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, so this is going to be my time to ask you about <laughs> uh, about this Axe game. And I know you've talked about Minnesota was always your number one. Why was it Minnesota? Was it just because of the Axe game? Was there something else uh, about it, or was it just border battle? That's Such a, such a history there, the longest rivalry in college football history. Mm-hmm. Um, you come to Wisconsin or to Minnesota, you that that game is highlighted on your schedule. Mm-hmm. That is a border battle. It it's bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot, and they uh, at Wisconsin we hyped it up a lot, and uh, yeah, it was not hard to get fired up to play Minnesota, mm-hmm. not at all. You know, plus you have friends and family that they are from Minnesota, and vice versa, and. And you have the uh, you know the, the texts and everything else, so it's bragging rights. And mm-hmm. uh, we didn't lose the axe when we were there; like it was it was a big deal. Yeah, well, I saw Minnesota was touting the axe at the fair oh, yeah. this past fall. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that. Too. <laughs> you know, even though I'm not playing, I, I still like yeah, that still bugs me. Like, yeah, it still is one of those things where you know it's pressed into you so much and it's such a big game and i mean even the history behind it it's the oldest think about it it's the oldest rivalry in college football history yeah it's unbelievable yeah um people far better than me uh played in the played uh, in these games and it's just unbelievable it's just there's so much involved with it and uh yeah they do a great job of uh mm-hmm. drilling that i was have i was recruited by uh by Minnesota too and really uh, the coach's name, uh, Jim Wacker, I think was his name. Okay. So, um, but I still feel I made a very good choice. Yeah, ones, so. absolutely. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, you did. So, <laughs> I know you. My opinion really matters there. So, <laughs> yeah. But as a player, I, you know, what was it like? You know, because I mean, Thanksgiving, you probably aren't able to go mm-hmm. with, and even after you know that with Christmas, you know, bowl game is right around Christmas, right mm-hmm. after Christmas. I gotta imagine you weren't able to go home no. for, for for the holidays no. as a player. Um, and 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 it, it was rare that we went home for Christmas. We were always in a bowl, which was again, it, that's not what was me. Like that's the objective. That mm-hmm. that was awesome. Like that's what you want to do as, as a team. Um, and you spend so much time with with the players. I mean, they've been going since. Well, they did all all the summer conditioning, so they've been doing this now since the end of the school year, right? Last year, and then you have camp, and you're just it's a long season, but uh, it becomes your family, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, my, my family always been my family, but at that time and point in my life, there's nobody else I'd rather spend the holidays with than the guys I was with right there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because you could you become so close knit. It's it'd be weird in that point in time in my life. You know, I look back and people are like, "Well, you were who cares? You, do you realize where, where, you know where we were? We were playing in the Rose Bowl, or we were uh, at the Outback Bowl, or you know, like we." Places I will never go again, and that experience uh, that I will never experience again far trumps me missing a Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, another question uh, that we had too, and I don't know if they were referencing like maybe this past game 
uh, because I mean, it was kind of a tale of two different halves where the Badger defense was mm-hmm. you know struggling to yep. stop Northwestern, then uh, a lot better in the second half. So uh, we had uh, Dave had sent this in. Uh, is there such a thing as halftime adjustments? Sometimes you hear players talk about that there isn't, uh, that the coaches don't even talk to anybody in the locker room at halftime, or is there really such a thing as uh, halftime adjustments? So there is, um, at least when I played. Again, um, when you're playing football, like things are constantly evolving, moving during the game. Um, if you planned for this defense, let's say you know your offensive, uh, you know all your scouting indicated that they were playing this defense in this time, blah 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 blah. Um, you know you're preparing for that, and there's times when they'll come out in a completely different for, uh, uh, defensive thing than than you're used to, and and you hopefully your coach is going to be on the sideline. Offensive line coach was talking to uh, upstairs in the in the press box, and they're relaying that message. Like when we come out the field, okay, they're running this defense, and you, and you do the adjust, uh, you, you adjust on the fly. Mm-hmm. But then when you get the entire coaching staff together, you know, because they're all communicating via headsets, mm-hmm. you know. So now you get them all together. Now they get a game plan, and yes, there is definitely a one hundred percent adjustment uh, at halftime and. Public embarrassment is a really, really strong motivator, if that makes, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you ain't pulling your weight and you ain't playing that day and you get called out, mm-hmm. surefire way to get a fire under you. Um, but, yeah, yeah, especially in front of your teammates. So, mm-hmm. yeah, some of that going on. We had uh, – so Hunter Waller, who's a player for, for the Bash Safety, he was very vocal after the game you know, in the locker room, kind of calling out. You know, some of his teammates, you know, we got to find out, you know, who wants to be here. Yeah. I know Luke Fickle kind of said the same thing. As as a player, if a player said that on your team, say you were in that situation, you had a player kind of standing uh-huh. up and, and calling that, what would your reaction have been like? Would you have been like, yeah, I agree with them, or like, dude, you know, let's let's keep it in-house, or what would your reaction have been like? I think if you more of that? a keep it in-house mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, you don't air your dirty laundry, and uh, I don't think under uh, Coach Alvarez anybody would have said that, mm-hmm. uttered that phrase. Our upperclassmen policed the locker room. Like the expectation when you came in, like the upperclassmen, you 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 copied their example. Um, you never wanted to give any bulletin bulletin board material for the other team, and you never want to um, ever make give anybody the idea or inkling inkling that you're uh, that there's problems in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it. Yep. You know, and if I did, I wouldn't tell you anyway. So, right. <laughs> Cause it's one of those things where again, like, was there instances? Yeah, but it's all policed up by upperclassmen. And, mm-hmm. uh, those are the guys that are, have proven themselves, have been there, gone through the program. And ultimately you don't ever make the program look bad. Mm-hmm. So, cause you hear a lot of talk, you know, like leadership, you know, this team needs leaders or mm-hmm. this coach isn't a leader, you know, that sort of thing. Do you think, you know, sometimes a lot of when you hear fans talk about lack of leadership, they direct it more towards the the coach, whereas maybe there's not enough player leadership stepping up. Yeah, a I, bit. I believe that. I think uh, you know, the coach can only do so much mm-hmm. as a leader. Uh, I mean, he's leading the the coaches. He has a game plan. He has all the pressure on him. You need to have locker room leaders also, um, guys that you can look forward to who are tough that have proven themselves. It's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's you know, just like I'm. Uh, when things are going poorly, you know, um, which they do in that sport, 
you know, you need to have the leadership guys because if your leaders are the guys who are your horses that are, are, are have their head down and uh, appear not to give a you know a crowd about what's going on, then yeah, it affects everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it really is. Right. It's like any business. It's like anything you do in life. You know, uh, your business. If if I walk into work every day and I'm like a kick dog and I don't uh, I I don't show up, the minute I walk in the door, my employees are looking at me. I'm constantly being watched by my employee. How is he reacting, you know, to this? And then they emulate what you, you know, your personality. If I walk in with a, you know, this sucks, everything's horrible, that mentality is going to trickle through the entire coffee shop. And all of a sudden, people who are having great days are like, yeah, this is horrible. So, again, you need to have leaders, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, it's super important. I don't think it's fo- I don't think it solely falls on the uh, coach. You have to have players that want to be there. And toe the line. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. Yep. Uh, attitude reflects leadership. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a quote from Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely that. it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so 100%, if you have, uh, <laughs> you have employees or people or whatever line of work you're into, if you're in a leadership role and uh, things around you appear to be grim, mm-hmm. I look in the mirror and probably going to find the answer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. So, because uh, this will be the last time I talk to you before Thanksgiving, too. Uh, Got any, uh, the daughter coming uh, uh, back yeah, home? Yeah, so, so she'll be coming back home uh, for the week, and uh, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed spending time with her. Um, I'm a jealous of my wife who travels to uh, the cities often for her job, and she drives right by my daughter, and I think they had dinner last night. Oh. So, yeah, and I get to hear about that, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that must be nice. Right. Great. Yeah. Oh, but she's doing great. Good. Uh, everybody's doing well. Uh, for all you hunters out there, be careful. Um, mm-hmm. I used to hunt. I, I kind of lost this luster for me. Uh, but my wife and my son and our families all hunt. So, mm-hmm. guys, uh, be careful out there today. So, you you got to do a man in the shop then during hunting season? Um, or, you know, or? I try to get away. And mm-hmm. if we're short staffed, then yeah, I'm at the shop. Yep. You know, like I said, it's a priority. Right. Um, being a cop, I, I don't get excited over. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, it's hard for me to get really excited to get up at four in the morning and, and go climb in the woods. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I mean, and, and I'm not bashing it because, like I said, I've done it for a different mm-hmm. river, but it just kind of lost its luster for me. I'll tell you, even though I get up at three o'clock in the mornings on the, during the week, mm-hmm. it's still hard for me. Like, because people will be like, "Oh, you're used to it," but you know what? When it gets to a Saturday and I just want to sleep in for yeah. crying out loud, it's still hard. I agree. Like this is. For the last few years, this has been the worst two weeks of my life because I'm like, I can't sleep in any day. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, and I don't think you get used to it. Like, no. I mean, I was a cop, and I worked ten, nights for like 10-plus years, and people are like, oh, you should be – I don't think you, you don't get used to it. You learn no. how to deal with it. You learn how to tolerate it. It, be, it becomes your norm, but it's yes. still not good for you. I it's mean, like, it's, you know, you don't get used to the cold. No. You just deal with it. Yeah, like, you know, that's like you – know, <laughs> All right, before I let you go, though, because we've got a couple items here. Yep. Uh, got the candy cane mocha. That is the drink of the month for December. Um, and it's going to be dark chocolate and peppermint. And then we put some crushed candy canes on there, which I did not put on yours today because I don't have them yet. <laughs> and uh, then, in the of course, the cinnamon roll that everybody loves. So Absolutely. So the Hudson special Absolutely. right there. I like it. So, well... Tell your family happy Thanksgiving uh, for, for me, and uh, you enjoy it. I know it'll be a couple weeks, but we're going to uh, actually be recording the podcast from, yeah. 
from uh, Kevin Coffee tomorrow because we're recording this Thursday, so it'll be yes, tomorrow. Are. So uh, over there, so we'll have a. I'll see you one more time before then. I agree. It should be fun. Awesome. Joe, appreciate it, buddy, and uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. As always, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and a good review so others can find the podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.